moms from my side as well. Well done. I only have one, so I can't complain. Some of you have two, some of you have three. Some of them, maybe the, the grandmothers in the house raised four. I don't know. My mom raised five. And I have no idea how she did it. <laughs> but I think motherhood's one of the bravest things I've ever done. Maybe, if, if not the bravest thing I've ever done. I remember waking up 3 o'clock, 24 December 2008. 24 December. Okay, my worst nightmare. Waking up 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, feeling, ah, this is quite painful. And I, I wake up, Andrea, and say, I think I'm in labor. I mean, with your first one, I don't know. Everybody says, you will know, but I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. I just felt it might be labor. Andrea was like, turning around, keep on sleeping, mumbling something like, it must be those practice pains that the books talk about, you know? Braxton X, X contractions, for those of you who know what, what those are. It must be those practice pains. You know? uh, I ended up having an emergency Caesar that morning under, um, with a general anesthetic. Vian was born alpha seven that morning, so it wasn't practice pains. <laughs> and we had quite a rough start, and I think most of you have your own stories, we all have our own stories when it comes to childhood and motherhood and, you know, being in labor and trying to breastfeed and trying to keep this little thing alive. I was convinced that my child's not going to make it. Uh, I was very concerned. Then I later realized they're much tougher than what they look in the beginning. They kind of survive most things. And even though I was very overwhelmed by motherhood in the beginning, as the years have gone by, I've realized the incredible privilege of raising, you know, a, a little baby, becoming a toddler, becoming a little man or a little woman, to raise them in the, in the ways of God. What an incredible privilege. It, it opened up a whole new world for me. Motherhood for me, uh, most of you would, would agree, the moms, and for those who are not yet moms, you will experience it sometime. Something in you come alive. Something that wasn't alive before comes alive, and the incredible opportunity to teach somebody in the ways of God for me was a whole new world. And I, I want you just for a moment to think about your life currently, where you are today. How would that be different? How would your life be different today if you knew God from a young age? How would your life be different? If you understood the power of forgiveness from the age of four, if you, if you knew that you were valuable, significant, that God has got a future for you, if you, if you had been able to make good choices in life, if you had discernment between right and wrong from a very young age, how would your life be different today? It is, it is incredible. You know, I know we, we serve a God of redemption, and I'll get to that. Our God is, is a God of redemption. He's able to turn around bad, bad choices. He's able to turn around anything that has ever happened in our life that was not good. However, I, I know if, if I learned certain things that I know today from a young age, I would have been a different person. I wouldn't have battled with fear all my life. I would have had tools. You know, I would have, I would have had more tools in my hand 
And this is what, what I want to talk about today, you know. No matter how old you are, sometimes we think, no, we should be a granny to influence or a grandpa. No matter how old you are, you have the power to influence somebody else. Amen? Married, unmarried, male, female, young, old, you know, eight-year-old can influence. A six-year-old can influence. An 80-year-old can influence. And God is calling all of us to, to be less self-focused and to realize that even though we have so many things to, to, to learn still and to grow into and to sort out, we often think, oh, we have so many things that we still need to work on. Even though that is the case, you have something to give. If, if you gave your life to Jesus yesterday, you have something to give to somebody else. Amen? So I want to I wanna talk this morning, just going to give you a few practical ideas of how we can influence the next generation. Amen? So I'm going to tell you lots of stories about my son. I asked permission. I said, Vian, Mommy is going to preach, and I want to tell a lot of your stories. Is it okay? Yeah, Mommy, it's okay. Of course it's okay. I just don't want to be around. <laughs> he gets very shy when I, when I speak, you know, when I tell stories and he's around. He's like, please, can you stop that? But if he's not around, he's totally okay. So I've got permission for all his stories. I don't know if I'm going to still have permission when he's in high school. So um, <laughs> I'm using my time still when I have permission. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 to 7. Let's go to that scripture. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Diligence. There's something about diligence. You know, when, when, when you get married, for those of you married will understand, for those of you will get, still get married, will understand one day. Sometimes when you get married, especially in the first year of marriage, when you get to know the person, you think that you're married to an alien. Okay? Do you know that feeling? Okay, it's just me. <laughs> you know, when... <laughs> I'll explain. I, I'll explain. Okay, I'll explain. Okay, don't get all weird ideas now. I'll explain. You know, when, when I got married, um, I realized that my husband is having his French toast with bacon and syrup. Okay, I know all of you have it like that. Okay, but I grew up, I grew up very differently. My mom made French toast, and I know this is weird. I, I, found, I thought that's the norm. Now I realize it's weird. She made it with melted cheese and tomato. Anybody like that? Oh, okay. Okay, bacon and syrup. What the bacon and syrup French? I tell you, you see, I was deceived. So Andre was like, where do you come from? You know? I was like, where do you come from? It's like we 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 grew up in two different worlds. Okay? Even though our worlds were were there were lots of similarities, praise God. We grew up differently, and I've just seen over and over and over the first 18 years of a child's life, there's something that happens in those formative years where he or she is growing up in a family. You do things like this. Some other families do things like that, and 
it has a greater impact. We will never realize the impact of your, of your childhood, your family life, your, what my mom said, what your dad said, you know, what, what we did as a family together over holidays. There's just something that it, it stays with us. Amen? It stays with us. And I think, I mean, I say now 18 years, but there's actually a lot less years, I believe, that we have to influence. Because when, when our children hit 13, 14, 15, when they hit high school, I think the majority of our influence should have been there. Most of what we have been wanting to teach them should be there already, you know? So, but let's, let's say we have 18 years, all right? Let's say we have 18 years. What we do and what we say in those 18 years has got a bigger impact than you'll ever know. Because some of you will still have your French toast with bacon and syrup. <laughs> because that is what you did as a family. It's just one silly example, but there's hundreds of other examples. This is the way you grew up and this is the way you will die. Because it's, it's part of you. It's part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. You know, so I've, I have quite a few missions in life. But one of my missions is to teach my son to follow Jesus. It's one of my greatest desires to see him grow up in, a, in the things of God. That's one. My other mission is to teach him to be a good husband. You know, I think my, my, my daughter-in-law is going to be the luckiest woman on this planet. <laughs> She's going to thank me one day. I hope. <laughs> you know, my, um, my and Vian's little secret is, if I was not his mom, he would have married me. And if he was not my son, I would have married him. But he, don't tell anyone, okay? It's no secrets. But let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5, 6, verse 5 to 7. You see, if we want to, to raise world changes, and all of us want to, all of us want to have a child who's going to shake this world, amen, who's going to make a difference, we, we want somebody who's going to be secure, who's going to be confident, who's going to love life. If we want to raise a world changer, our first responsibility is not even to teach them with diligence. You know, if you go to the scripture, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Our first responsibility is not even to teach our children. Our first responsibility is to love Jesus. And ultimately, I believe if we can get that right, the rest will follow. The rest will be a spontaneous outflow of our relationship with God. You know, every, every healthy relationship on earth comes from a healthy relationship with the Father. You know, often these marriage problems or these relational problems or these academic problems even, and I, I think often the problem is not the problem. The problem is what, is what is our relationship with God? What is our understanding about who He is, about who we are in Him? It can fix many things. It can fix so many things. This is our first and foremost. If you can get that, that right, well done, parents. Well done. And if you're not, if you, if you're not um, married today or if you don't have children yet, all of these things I will share is equally applicable to a, a relationship where you're mentoring somebody else, where you're discipling somebody else. 
It, it, it brings you alive to see growth in someone else. This is why we need to trust God for more people around us who stepped from darkness to light in a relationship with God because those, those moments are inspiring. We need that. We need that. I mean, it, it brings us alive to see somebody else grow. So our second responsibility, according to the scripture, I believe, is to teach our children with diligence. Now, you all know diligence does not mean once. It doesn't mean twice. It doesn't mean 50 times. It means when you sit, when you lie down, when you walk by the road. It means all the time. And then we cannot give up. We cannot lose heart. We cannot come to a place where we think, I'm not tired of teaching my child with diligence because we need to keep doing it. I mean, how many times have you been taught to say please and thank you? And we're still not getting this right, even as adults sometimes. I don't know how many times we've, we've, we've taught beyond please. Okay, what is the magic word? Or oh, I keep his little uh, plate, you know. He knows by now. You know, he knows all my sign language. <laughs> please, mommy. Thank you, mommy. Or <laughs> he... He wouldn't have got it by me saying it once. Okay, so apart from, from teaching a child to say please and thank you, there's a few other things we need to teach them that they're not going to learn at school. So I just want to highlight a few things. There's a lot, but I just want to highlight a few things that we teach our son that I wish I've been taught as, as a child. We teach them to take authority over fear and bad dreams because that bad dreams often brings the fear. About two years ago, Vian woke up with this, a really, after a really bad dream. You know, you get bad dreams and you get bad dreams, eh? And then I could see this one is really affecting him. He said, Mommy, I'm not going back to my room tonight. I'm not sleeping in my bed. First time ever. He was about six by that stage. And I realized, you know, it's one of those moments where you pause. You pause your own world and you get into your child's world. Because what you do in the next hour or next 10 minutes even is going to affect everything in the future. Because when it comes to fear, I've seen the quicker you are on it, the, the, the bigger the breakthrough, the bigger the uh, positive result. If you just let it slide, oh, it's okay, you'll be okay tonight, you know, bad dream. All of us have bad dreams. You know, I just realized that's not going to be my approach. I need to not be on it. And I need to teach him. So I said, don't worry, Vian. We're going we're gonna to tackle this thing. So I got oil and I got communion elements. And I said to him, we are now going to, I'm going to show you how to anoint your room. And anointing your room is just to say, Jesus, this is your territory. This is your space. And we're going to have communion. We're going to chase this fear away. So I showed him. We anoint the room. I gave him the, we had communion. And I said to him, Vian, you must pray. You must now take authority because I realized I can pray for him. I know how to do that. He must now learn to overcome this. And we prayed and we did it. And, you know, we kicked the devil out of the room and we did all of those things. And then he had to go to school and then it was evening and then it was sleep time. And I was checking this whole thing out, you know, because we, we've really put our energy and our faith into sorting this out before bedtime. And I know there's not always a guarantee. I mean, sometimes, again, with it, when it comes to diligence, sometimes there's another time you need to pray. And another time, you need to pray it through until there's breakthrough. But 
That specific day, we had breakthrough straight away. He went to bed. He woke up. He said, Mommy, I had no bad dreams. And he realized he had to pray. I gave him the tools. I said, this is what you're going to do in future if it happens again. And I can just see how he's growing in this. He's not totally without fear all the time, but he's got a tool. You know, we're going to pray. We're going to consecrate the space to God. And I'm not going to allow fear to torment me because this is not God's will for you. I mean, I wish. I was a fearful girl since ever. Since ever I can remember, I, I was battling with fear. And if somebody just told me that Jesus is bigger than this fear, my life would have been very different. And this is one of the key things that we, that we teach our son. You know, our goal at all times is not to make Vian dependent on us, but to make him dependent on God. Same principle when you disciple somebody. Our goal is not to make people dependent on us. Yes, we can pray. Yes, we can prophesy. Yes, we can support but ultimately, if they do not learn to hear from God for themselves, if they do not learn to fight fear, to fight anxiety, to fight oppression for themselves, we make them dependent on us and not on God. The biggest gift you can give to somebody is to show them to look to Jesus. Amen? And this is when it comes to, to influencing a next generation, God is their source. God is the hope. Even as a parent, you can only do so much for your child. And, and if we can teach them to look to God, you teach them something that will never, it, it, it will just stick and stay with them forever. You give them a gift. You know, another, another thing we teach Vian is to pray for people when they're sick. That is actually <laughs> an amazing thing to, to pray for somebody when they're sick. Uh, one of the, their friends in class, one of the girls, she was admitted to hospital this week with meningitis. It was quite a bit of a crisis in the school and in the family's life. And on Friday when we picked Vian up, he said to me, Mommy, we all wrote cards for, for Danelle. And in my card, I wrote that I'm praying for her and that she shouldn't worry about the schoolwork and that we'll never forget her. That's now his, his little letter. And he said, but I must now keep my promise. We must now pray. You know, so now in the car, we pick him up. We're on our way to home. And um, he said, okay, we must pray now. Now we pray in the car. And I can see Vian's heart is in it because he, he wrote in the car that he's going to pray and he must now pray because he promised. And it was beautiful. You know, and I, I messaged the mom later, later the day, and I said, how's things going? Can we come pray at the hospital? And she said, no, Danal is, is, is home. They actually told her this afternoon they can't do much more for her. She's home. And she got the letters from the class, and they were both crying. And she said to me, Vian's prayer. I, I told her, we prayed for, for, for Danal, and Vian said, we must pray, we must pray. And she said, she wrote, I was, I was showing Vian, and it meant so much to me. She said, Vian's prayer brought her home. And obviously, it's not only Vian's prayer. It's many, many people have prayed. But for my son, it meant so much. This mother typing a message saying, Vian's prayer brought her home. Because she got the card, and I, I shared with her how we prayed. You know, for him to, to pray and to see a response. I mean, the next day, he said, Mommy, 
Donnell's home because we prayed for her. <laughs> you know, he's so encouraged by that. We need to teach our children that we can pray when there's a crisis. We can pray. You know, whenever I cry, Vian goes like this. It's okay, mommy. It's okay. I'm here. I'm here. He starts with that. Now, if I don't stop, which most of the times happen, if I, if I cry even louder, he's like, let me pray for you. <laughs> he's a man. There's a problem. Let's find a solution. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I'm, just, I'm just amazed, you know by him just following our example. We don't have to do much, actually. We just need to live. We also teach him, which is a difficult one, that playing computer games too often is not good for him. Difficult one. And we started last year, fourth term, by saying no games during school term. Only holidays and then limited. Do you know how difficult that was for him and for us? And, you know, I had to... I, we, we had to talk him through it. Because, you know, a rule is not always the best way, you know. This is the rule you will obey. This is not, especially when they ate. So we had this discussion with Vian. I said to him, okay, if you are a daddy one day, and you can play as many computer games as you wish, would you do it? Now he thinks. Then he told me, no, he wouldn't. Because it's not going to be good for him. Now I ask him, okay, so if you're a daddy and you have a son and he wants to play computer games, are you going to allow him to play all the time, any time that he wants? No, it's not going to be good for him. <laughs> you see, because we have evaluated his behavior after he has played a long time. We've evaluated other kids' behavior. You know, when, when they play too many games and Vian could see for himself this is actually not good for him. He becomes an angry boy, he becomes discontent, he becomes unhappy, he becomes frustrated, he becomes disrespectful. It is just a crazy thing that happens. And it's difficult for him. It's very difficult for him. It's difficult for me. I must be now creative and help him find things to do. <laughs> but praise God, he started reading end of last year. Started reading books all by himself which he loves. So we are so thankful. It's almost as if God gave us an alternative. So him and I, we go to the library. It's our, you know, weekly dates. He's got his action Bible that I showed you last week. And he discovered the life of, you know, a, a life of reading and books. And it's still difficult for him, you know, because this rule does not apply, obviously, to all his friends. But all the time I just bring him back to, okay, if you're a daddy one day, what would you do? So he understands our hearts. You know, so it's not just a rule. It's not just, no, you will not, because I say so. It's, what would you do? Yeah, let's talk about this. What would you do one day? And he fully agreed that this is not, this is not what he's going to allow in his house. And I really want to encourage you, they said, they said, a video that we, uh, a DVD that we watched, uh, Digital Cocaine. I can't remember now the guy who, who talked on that, but it's really something that I can encourage you. Open my eyes. This guy confirmed everything that I can see in my son. All the behavior patterns I see in my son if he's on the tablet too often <laughs> playing games. Confirmed everything. It's really worthwhile for you to read as a teacher, as a parent. Diligence. 
diligence, week in, week out. It's not easy, but as I say, if we just work on our love for God, the diligence will be easier. God will take it for us. He will actually just take the burden off our shoulders and just give us creative ideas of how to teach them. Amen? Faith and patience, Hebrews 6 verse 11. It says, And we desire that each of you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There's something about faith and patience. The combination of those two things, it makes for incredible, you know, I see faith and patience as a team, you know. They team up and they make this incredible team, you know, because we need to, we need to look to our children through the eyes of God, through the eyes of faith. We have to. We need to trust God for words over their lives. This is whenever we have a baby dedication, we have people praying over those babies, trusting God for a word. And I just want to thank every couple who has ever brought a word for a baby because you will never know the impact of your word, of your prophetic word. A prophetic word is just God giving us His thoughts for somebody or for ourselves. He can give us a prophetic word for ourselves. He's giving us His thoughts, which is so powerful. You know, have you ever received a prophetic word for your child? You know, and the teachers in the house, have you ever received a prophetic word for the kids in your class? You know, you must just have, have a one conversation with Sandra and her kids, you know. Scripture union, things that she does, she's got a passion for a younger generation that they are able to do anything because God is real in their lives. You know, she's a living example of influencing a younger generation. I have so much respect for that. I've, I'm so inspired by that. You know, have you ever received a prophetic word for your child? And are you praying that into being? You know, my dad is a cricket fanatic. He's at the age of 69 now, standing as umpire for the, like the, um, uh, the Garden Root schools and... Uh, clubs and things, standing in the sun the whole day for 100 rands at the age of 69. That's his passion. But he said something at school that made a, a really big impact on me. He said he checks out the, the thin, small, weak boys in primary school because they become his best fast bowlers in high school. And it made such an impression on me. You know, I, I was still at school when he told me that. But he said... He's not actually looking for the strong and the big boys in primary school. He's, he, he keeps an eye on those who nobody actually wants in their team in primary school. He said those, those little boys become his best fast bowlers in high school. You know, and I saw something of God's heart in that. You know, that God is not looking at our performance. He's, he's, he's got a greater plan. He's got a greater perspective. You know, so for, for those of you who feel that maybe you've never ac accomplished something, maybe you feel in terms of your children, you know, you have one who's an achiever and the other one who's maybe just average. God is just forever looking in a different way to us and to our children. You know, in the same way my dad looked at the, you know, the weak small boys and he said, I keep an eye on them. I keep an eye on them. Isn't that beautiful? So do you believe that an average child can become a world changer if we believe in them? Amen? 
if we give them time, faith and patience, if we believe in them and have patience with them, if we give them time, if we give them space to grow, do you believe that an average child can become a world changer? I do. With all of my heart. With all of my heart. You know, what do you declare and confess over your children? How do you relate to your child? Do you relate to your child as a fourth grader who's battling with maths? Or do you, do you look to him through the eyes of God and realize this is a world changer? Because if we want to raise up somebody who's going to shake this world upside down, we need to relate to them in a different way. We can't relate to them as the one who's not being, being chosen for the, for the team. Or we can't relate to them as somebody who's battling with maths. Somebody who can't sing. We can't relate to them in that way. We need to look past all those things and say, this child is going to be a world changer one day. And I will have faith and patience and see that come into being. Amen? Amen. Being real. Being real. One of the most important ones. Romans 12 verse 9 says, let, let love be without hypocrisy. Without Hypocrisy. You see, we don't have to know every scripture in the Bible to influence. We don't need to know the whole Bible. We need to, don't need to be the most spiritual person. We just need to be able to be real. I mean, we don't have to be perfect. I've seen the most powerful moments, teaching moments actually came when I was real with my son. When I had to say, Vian, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I didn't keep my word. Or I shouted at you. Or I behaved in a way that's, that's not the way we behave in our home. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's those moments, you know, when, when we influence more than you will ever know. Because it's not about being perfect. No, you, can, you can let go of that burden. You can let go of that burden of being perfect. It's really okay if you're not perfect. Okay, I give you permission to be imperfect. Is that Okay. I give you permission. It's amazing just to realize that God is bigger than our imperfections. But if we can be real, if we can take ownership of our mistakes, and if we would be willing to say, I am sorry, I forgive you, it is, it is incredible. You know that whole thing of parents shouldn't fight in front of their children? Yes, and if you are going to slam doors and throw plates and scream and shout, please don't fight in front of your children. <laughs> But if you do it in a way that is going to empower them to resolve conflict, please let them see how you do it. Okay? Please don't feel guilty if your child sees that you and your husband is working through something together. Please don't feel guilty. It's not going to scar them for life. It's actually going to empower them to resolve conflict if you can show them that mommy and daddy will say, I'm sorry, I forgive you, and they say this, see that there's reconciliation. Amen? So don't, don't feel that if you ever have a disagreement in front of your children that you're a failure. I don't know where that comes from. As long as we do it in a way that is uplifting, that is encouraging, and that is empowering, amen? Is that going to really empower them to be able to, to do the same thing in future? You know, to have a disagreement and to actually resolve it. You know, there was this one situation, end of last year, we were going out somewhere 
And now the devil is in the house. Do you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, the devil is in the house. I don't know where he slipped in, but he came in somewhere. Okay, now the devil is in the house. Now Andre and I are not lacquer with one another. We're on our way out to friends. And now Andre says to Vian, okay, Dad, Mommy and Daddy just need some time. Can you just give us some time? We need to sort this out. Now I'm on the couch crying my bucket full of tears. Andre's like, I really don't know why you're crying. <laughs> and he's like, what is going on? And okay, now Vian's out. Now, after a couple of minutes, he comes back. He goes like this. Okay. He says, okay, Daddy, can I just say one thing, then I'll leave again. <laughs> now he says, he obviously can't understand why we're taking so long to sort this out because he can see what the solution is. <laughs> he says, Daddy, you must say that you're sorry. Mommy, you must say that you forgive him. Okay, that's all I want to say. I'll leave now again. <laughs> it, it totally got us through that thing <laughs> because... He saw it for what it is. He saw mommy and daddy is now not lacquer towards one another. But surely this is, we can solve this. Surely it's easy. Sorry, I forgive you. Let's go out and have a party. <laughs> How difficult can this be? It was precious. It was, it was really awesome to just see that he's not freaked out. It's like... Can we just say we're sorry and can we just say we forgive one another and let's move on? <laughs> Beautiful, you know? Being real is one of the greatest gifts you can give to your child. Just being real, not being perfect, but being real. You know, one of the things I appreciate the most about my husband is that he's real. What you see in church, I promise you that's what you will see at our home. You know, and the one... Um, I think beginning last year, we had a baptism at, at Rian's house. And Vian and I left a bit earlier because it was school the next day. So in the car, on our way home, he, he says to me, Mommy, I feel that Jesus is telling me I must also get up early in the morning like Daddy does. And I must worship and I must pray and I must read my Bible. This is now coming from what? Seven-year-old at that stage? I'm like, wow, you know, wow. You know, your example speaks more than a thousand scriptures. It, it, it impacts the life of your child more than you will ever know. And once again, it's not about perfection. It's about being real. It's about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and all your strength. They will follow that because Andre is his hero. So surely if daddy thinks it's cool to read his Bible and worship and pray early in the morning, then surely it must be cool. I also want to do that. He said, Jesus, I feel that Jesus is telling me I must do that. Amazing. Your example speaks more than a thousand words. It just needs to be real. Amen. Being present. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Train up a child. We all know this one, eh? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. How special, you know? Um, Andre mentioned about, you know, what, what um, Vian asked me about two weeks ago about being the weakest in his class. I'll just let me color it in for you a little bit. He, he said to me, Mommy, 
I'm the weakest in my class. You know, and it's one of those moments where I had to pause, okay? You know what I'm saying when I say we need to pause? We need to pause our worlds and get into their worlds. He, I could see immediately that, that this is now an arrow being shot to his heart because, yes, factually, it is correct. He's born on the 24th of December, and he's the youngest. He's definitely the youngest in his class, and, yes, he isn't, he's, the, he's probably the smallest and the thinnest, and the, he's in that category, you know, my dad looked out for. <laughs> and, and I could just see there's insecurity, there's, there's doubt, there's a little bit of fear, you know. Am I going to ever be able to shape up, you know, with these big boys? There's quite a few big boys in his class. <laughs> and, and I said to him, uh, Vian, wh what do you think? What do you think? What is the most important to have like a six-pack and big muscles and, or to know how to fight the devil, to, kn to be strong in God? And he, you know, it just got him thinking. And we had the most beautiful discussion about Samson, like Andre shared. Samson, and Samson wasn't strong in God. He couldn't resist temptation. And even though he was this really, really, really strong man, he made so many mistakes because he didn't know how, he wasn't strong on the inside. You know, and I saw Vian from a little bit insecure moving to confident. I know how to fight the devil. I'm strong in God. I'm okay. You know, it was one of those moments where if I did not pause, if, if I wasn't present in that moment, if I was busy, if I was, oh, no, Vian, I'm right. Oh, don't worry, man. Um, you'll be okay. And just continuing with my, my own things, I would have missed a, an incredible opportunity to, to, to build a, a block, you know, like a, a part of his foundation for his future. You know, he immediately realized it's okay if he's not the biggest because it's not the most important thing in life to be the strongest. And I know it's important to him. You know, and I'm, I'm not taking it lightly at all. I just realized that that thing can bring insecurity and fear where the truth can immediately uh, turn it around and he can see it for what it is. Amen? But I had, to be real, I, I had to be present in that moment. You see, we must learn to get into their worlds. We must learn to find our pause button. <laughs> we must learn to find our pause button. You see, my dynamic with my child will change. The, the dynamics of our relationship will change. He's eight now. At the age of 13, I don't, don't know if you still want to go with mommy to the library. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, but you see, I don't know when it's going to change, but when it does change, I must have his heart. There must be a strong connection between us. And this is why I and my husband and I must be present now. <laughs> We must be present now. I think sometimes life happens, and before you know it, your child is in high school, and then you want to, to connect, and it's too late. We must be present now. So I want to encourage you. You know, this is why we, why we want to do youth with a grade 6, 7, and 8 from next term, because we need to get their hearts before they hit grade 10. We need to have relationship. We, there must be a connection before that time, let me read you a beautiful quote by Danny Silk. 
Loving Your Kids on Purpose, a, a really awesome book. For those of you, there's a DVD series as well. It says, what does it take to know the heart of another person? It takes time, attention, and wisdom. We need to become students of who our kids are. It's not simply a matter of being with our kids. We need to have a plan and an interest in the matters of their hearts. Amen? It's more than just being with them. We must have a strategy. We must have a pause button. Okay. What I want to do now is really important, but I can see that my child needs a moment right now. And I'm not saying our children should be the imp be all and end all of our worlds. This is not what I'm saying, and I'll, I'll get to that now. We need to know, they also need to know when mommy is busy, you know, when daddy is busy. They need to know, okay, I'm praying now, Vian, I need time. Please, this is my time with God. You need to understand that, okay? So it's not as if I jump every time my child is the only one, so I pretty much maybe jump most of the times. <laughs> But he needs to know that there's boundaries and that my relationship with God and my relationship with my husband comes first before his needs. But there's moments. There's moments where you need to know, pause. I need to now zoom into this because this is going to be a conversation that's a building block for life. Amen? Okay, last one, then I'm done. We have to believe in the power of redemption. You see, we can't be with our children every moment of the day. And this is probably for me personally the most difficult one to get right. We can't be with them every moment of the day. We need to trust God for the emotional, spiritual, and physical safety. Okay, we can't be with them every moment of the day, which means even if something bad happens, that we serve a God of redemption. Amen? It's very, very difficult one to really believe. It's easy to say. It's easy to have head knowledge about this. It's really difficult to put into practice. It was for me, and it still is a journey for me to believe that every bad thing that Vian will ever go through is God is able to redeem. He's able to turn it around. You see, we can't influence from a position of fear, and I need you to get this now. If we influence from a position of fear, we will control we will become overprotected and control them instead of empowering them to make choices. So we need to get fear out of the picture. We need to be able to know that even if something bad happens, we serve a God of redemption. Amen? If you want to see a beautiful story of redemption, watch that, that movie, um, Miracles from Heaven. What did we watch over the... Miracles from Heaven. I wish I could tell you the whole story, but I don't want to give it away. You can buy it at Kum or find it somewhere. Miracles from Heaven. It is a redemptive story that will shake all your arguments, you know, that God is not alive and He's not able to turn everything around. Go and watch it. It's beautiful. You know, God is bigger than our mistakes. He's stronger than our fears. He's, he's able, even when we are ignorant, to empower us to believe in Him. And He's, he's, he's greater than our ignorance, our mistakes, our fears. This is the God that we serve. And if, if we do not influence from that perspective, 
We will be fearful, we will be controlling, we'll even manipulate to get our way because we think our way is the best. Where there's a God, you know the story of Joseph, isn't that redemptive? His own family, his brothers sold him as a slave. You know, if you, if you watch that movie, Ben-Hur, I watch like this. You know, it's, 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 for somebody to be sold into slavery is not, it is hectic. This is what happened to Joseph and God said, I have a redemptive pur- purpose for this child. And how beautiful is that? But if, if we are going to control as parents, or even just as older people wanting to, to, to protect a younger generation, we will do it our way and not God's way. And we will limit God to do His work in their lives. Amen? This is why I really want to encourage all of you to, to sign up for our heart encounter. This is, this is the place where you will encounter the God of redemption in your own life. And for the sake of our marriages and our future marriages and our children, we need to deal with our pain, our hurts, everything that's been done or not done to us. And we're going we're gonna to pray for that now. But I just want us to imagine for one minute. <clears throat> just dream with me for one minute, okay? Imagine a younger generation serving Jesus. I'm talking ages 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, anything from 4, you know, anything from 3 even. Imagine a younger generation have a solid foundation in God. Have, have a real example, not a perfect example, a real example of what it means to be a Christ follower. We are going to turn East London upside down. We're going to turn this world upside down. And I really believe, you know, like that, that, Scripture that says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God's going to raise up a standard. Amen? Because sometimes we look to, to what, what the enemy does. He's coming in like a flood, yes, in schools, in everywhere, you know, when it comes to our kids. The enemy is coming in like a flood, but so what? God is raising up a standard. Amen? And this is what we need to look for. You know, that if the enemy comes in like a flood, God's standard will even be higher even be more powerful. Our kids are going to rise up. They're going to become influential. You know, I, I, I'm so excited. There's um, Kuba and, and Hanli. They're praying every Thursday morning at noon primary. I don't join them every week, but I, I join them sometimes. Every week they pray for the school. How awesome is that? You know, we need, we need to trust God as He's going to raise up a standard in our families and in our schools that's going to be so high that the devil cannot touch it. Amen? Amen. And I want to applaud the kids' volunteers, you know, for those of you who are working with the kids in our, in our, in our church. And I know most of them are busy now but with the kids. I don't even hear what I'm going to say now. But I can see the effect that your teaching and your diligence and your heart have on my child. And I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for every Sunday. You know, this is called diligence. Can we give the kids volunteers a hand? Amen. Thank you, Father. It's called, this is diligence. Sunday in, Sunday out. I mean, where's Squibber is probably with the kids, eh? Yeah. Sunday in, Sunday out. To, to not sit here comfortably 
to actually work with the next generation and to impart. You know, that is treasures in heaven. You know, the, the kids' volunteers are going to have the houses with a sea view in heaven. <laughs> I'm just so blessed by people who have a heart for the next generation because we need to leave a legacy. And this is what we are all called to do, no matter how old you are, male, female, married, single, we're called to influence. And